0: Our scripture reading is from Exodus 25 verses 10 to 22, and that's on page 88 in the Old Testament, and then a little bit later we'll read Psalm 90. Before we read the Bible, let's pray. Holy Spirit, please read the Bible with us, and along the way show us the will of our Father in heaven. Help us to see Jesus in all the pages of the Bible. Guide the thoughts of our minds and the words of my mouth as we study the Bible this evening. Give us listening ears to to hear what you are saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. From Exodus 25, verses 10 to 22. They shall make an ark of acacia wood, And it shall be two and a half cubits long, a a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside you shall overlay it, and you will make a molding of gold upon it all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four feet. Two rings on one side, two rings on the other side. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles in the rings of the ark by which to carry the ark. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark of the covenant that I shall give you. Then you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. You shall make two cherubim of gold. You shall make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other and one piece with the mercy seat. You shall make the cherubim at its two ends. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. They shall face each other. The faces of the cherubim shall be turned toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark and in the ark you shall put the covenant that I shall give you. There I will meet you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the covenant, I will deliver to you all my commands for the Israelites. And then Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger. By your wrath, we are overwhelmed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. For all of our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end with a sigh. The days of our life are 70 years, or perhaps 80 if we are strong. Even then, their span is only toil and trouble. Soon, they are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Turn, O oh Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let the work, let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. While these two texts seem to have very little to do with each other, I hope to take the themes of Psalm 90 and tie them in with the Ark of the Covenant. Where do you live? What a strange question. Most of us know our hometowns or our rural addresses. Let me try the question again. In the depths of your being, where do you call home? Moses, in Psalm 90, begins with, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. What does that mean for us? Maybe I should ask, where does God live? In the Old Testament, he lived between the cherubim of the Ark of the Covenant. Where does he live now? Does he live in some heaven far away? Or does he live in your homes? And that includes your children and grandchildren. Let me put it another way. Do you live in his home? I think the questions go hand in hand. Psalm 90 was written probably near the end of Moses' life as the Israelites were getting close to the promised land. It is both a celebration of God's faithfulness and a firm warning to be careful. It's a prayer that God will have compassion on His people, a plea that He will make their work mean something. If God has been our dwelling place, what does that mean? In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was a manifestation of God's presence. God gave very clear and precise instructions on how the Ark of the Covenant was constructed and to be handled. That's why I went through all those verses. In the Ark were three things. A gold jar of manna, the rod of Aaron which had budded, and the tablets of the law which, which God had given on, uh, on Mount Sinai. And this is according to Hebrews 9 verse 4. Now, notice, those three things were placed there because of people's rebellion. God's law, the tablets containing the Ten Commandments, came when the people turned to idols. God provided manna when His people complained about food. Aaron's rod was placed there after people had challenged God's appointed leadership. Now notice that God's grace covered all. The cover of the ark was made of gold, the most precious metal. It was called the cover of atonement, sometimes also called the mercy seat. Notice carefully that God's grace covered all of our rebellion. Those three things that are in there. Remember that was for rebellion. God covers that. He provides food, that is manna, and Aaron's rod provided lead, or showed that he pro- promised leadership. And all of this comes in Jesus Christ. He is the mercy seat. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, according to Hebrews 9 verse 5, and God spoke from between those cherubim. This picture of the ark of the covenant was surely one of God's grace. One question used to trouble me. It's this, whatever happened to the ark of the covenant? After all the careful instructions for constructing and handling the ark, it was placed in the Holy of Holies, a place where God chose to make his dwelling. Sadly, later, in the time of Eli, when people began to take things into their own hands, rather than following the commands of God, the ark was taken out of the tabernacle by the sons of Eli and brought into the battlefield. These men knew full well that they were using God for their own purposes. Rather than living obediently, they wrongly took the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, out of the tabernacle to win battles for themselves. No one of their enemies, they thought, could defy the sacred Ark. But as you know, God is not bound by men's actions. And so at that time, the Ark went into the hands of the Philistines. That is a whole story on its own. When people violate God's law, a price must be paid. When Eli heard that the ark was taken, he fell backwards off his chair and died. His daughter-in-law gave birth to a child and named him Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel. Yet, God was present with that ark and the Philistines idol Dagon fell into pieces in the presence of that ark. The afflictions were afflicted with terrible diseases. Then, the story of the ark coming back to Israel on a cart pulled by two cows is fascinating. God was in control. The ark came to the people of Beth Shemesh who made offerings because of its return. But, God put to death 70 of the men who had looked into the ark. The ark was then brought to the house of Abinadab and Eliezer was consecrated to guard the ark of the Lord and there it remained for 20 years. Later, David decided to bring the ark back. On the way, Uzzah stepped in to give God a hand when the oxen stumbled. Now remember, God had given very specific rules for the ark, and when those rules were disobeyed, Uzzah and others had to pay the ultimate price with their lives. So they stopped. Instead of coming to Jerusalem, they stopped at the home of Obed-Edom. Now notice that since the ark was treated very respectfully in the home of Obed-Edom, his house was blessed. uh, enormously. For three months it was there. Then the ark was brought back to Jerusalem with great rejoicing. And that's the last we hear of the ark in the Old Testament. What happened? What happened to the ark? Uh, I've wondered about that for years. There's a movie out, I know, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's fiction. So is about everything else you can find about what happened to the ark. Uh, It's all speculation. The truth is, no one seems to know. But now I think I have an answer, an answer to that question of what happened to the ark. Dr. Peter Eldersfeld, longtime minister of the Back to God Hour for the Christian Reformed Church, and most of you may not remember him, us older folks do, we used to listen to him every Sunday on the Back to God Hour, uh, and I found this material in the book that was put out by the Back to God Hour, he talks about the history of the Ark of the Covenant. I want to quote from him in a moment, but first I want to suggest that you read again the story of that Ark coming home. And then I want to ask, is it possible that that Ark is in your home? Here is a long quotation from Dr. Eldersfeld. When you read about the blessings that came to the house of Obed-Edom during those 90 days while the Ark of the Covenant was there, you might be inclined to say, well, that was a very exceptional case. It couldn't happen again. We can never have homes like that today. But we can. In fact, we can have homes that are even better with even greater blessings. We can have the ark in our homes for a lifetime. You see, everything that was symbolized in that ark was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And those who receive him as their Savior, he gives the spiritual power to become the children of God. By his Spirit, he lives with them in their homes day by day. End of quotation. Think about that the Ark of the Covenant right in the middle of our homes. Today, if we really believe that the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament, then we should see the Ark of the Covenant in our homes. You know that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, and that symbolized that God would live with his people. I want to quote a few more lines from Dr. Eldersville. He is Emmanuel, God with us, the New Testament Ark of the Covenant. Thus, we can have truly Christian homes. Millions of people have been born and raised in such homes, and then they go out to set up homes of their own like that. Indeed, these homes constitute the most holy place of the kingdom of God, they are the heart of the church. Dr. Eldersville's final question there uh, is Christ as Jesus Christ the center of your home. Would your children feel that God governs your home? So now I no longer ask what happened to the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant appears again in Revelation 11 verse 19 when God's temple was opened in heaven. John saw it. That is an indication of God's presence for His people continuing throughout the ages. Even amidst what John writes as flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm, God remains with His people. That symbol of God's presence is now far richer than the gold used to construct the original one. Now, I ask, Is the Ark of the Covenant really in my home today? And if so, would anyone notice? And do we treat that Ark, that is God's presence, with the same fear that God required long ago? Psalm 90 is a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm that thanks God for His presence with us always. Always. That's also a stern warning that we must turn back to God. Moses acknowledges that God turns men back to dust and sweeps them away like the morning grass that is withered by evening. He knows our secret sins. Our days pass quickly, and we end them with moans of complaint as our bodies wear out. Seventy years or maybe eighty is all that we are given Do not assume that we will have the strength to make it to 80. Often we go to funerals of people much younger. In the short time that God gives us, please commit to telling and retelling His story of grace to our families. So, we watch the power of God, and with Moses we pray. And Moses was probably an old man by this time. We pray, teach us to number our days of right that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He means exactly what he says. Therefore, we may not give in to the secular empires of our age, which threaten to suck the life out of us and our families. Your house is not important. Your home is. Do you see the Ark of the Covenant in your home? Would your children and grandchildren feel that the Son of God governs your home? Is the, is the dwelling place, is it the dwelling place of God the Holy Spirit? If so, he will bless your home like he did the home of Obed-Edom. Back to the covenant for just a moment, the Ark of the Covenant. The word covenant is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Because it means marriage. God marries himself to his people and he will not divorce us. The covenant is not a contract. It is a marriage. Then again, that cover, the mercy seat, was called the cover of atonement. That golden atonement cover is Jesus Christ who covers all of our sins. Finally, here is a question for you. Where in your home do you see the Ark of the Covenant? In the living room? In the kitchen? In the bedroom? Recreation room? How about in the basement? God wants to be present in every part of our lives. Because of His grace, we can pray joyfully the last four verses of Psalm 90. Now, repeat those. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants, your glorious power to their children. And I'm using the King James Version for the last verse, which I think states our prayer most powerfully. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. In response, let us sing from Lift Up Your Hearts, number 312, In Our Households, Heavenly Father, which is a prayer for God's